reached your destination. Welcome to Harmonic Headspace. Music for your psyche. Let's do this! Happy Sunday, everybody. This is Harmonic Headspace here. The icing on the cake that is your weekend. Did I get that right? You did. Very good. We, we dropped the ball on that last week. <laughs> I heard some complaints from the, uh, from the fan base. I think we didn't even say it. We didn't say it at all. I have people that like that. <laughs> Apparently they do. They need their sweets. They need their <laughs> sweets. So we've got a special night here. We have a special guest in studio. Uh, the one and only Big Ben. Hey, hey. What's happening, y'all? Thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Uh, we're trying something different on Harmonic, Harmonic Headspace this week. We're going to do a bit of a genre night. And uh, we thought, what better than to get some jazz, funk, uh, R&B, soul up in our stuff. We normally don't play a lot of that kind of music. Yeah, and uh, so uh, Astro and I are Gen Xers, right? And we've grown up in the rock era. And so we, we talk about this a lot, where we believe that Gen X touches so many different genres. And, but we know like rock more than any other genre but we do know and love the funk. And as, uh, as the new funk movement, like the NOLA scene with Galactic and all them, um, as when I was say getting, new, we're talking like 20 yeah, something right. years, yeah. right? <laughs> we're, we're talking like, you know, 90s plus. Yeah, right? okay. Yeah, but I mean, I, there was probably a good gap after um, Parliament and that whole thing in the 70s, and then there was, there was nothing, I mean, there was George Benson and... and uh, a lot of other stuff that we were talking about, but there wasn't like a movement, right? And this NOLA movement, it, it hooked me. Um, so we, we decided that we were going to kind of do a funk night, bring that NOLA movement in, but also, who's his daddy, right? Where did <laughs> they come from? Uh, and we need a little help with that. And uh, I, that's perfect for Big Ben to come in and uh, help set us straight. Tell you who your daddy is. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I mean that that eight, that eighties era is always much maligned uh, on the show. I always talk shit about the eighties and the production yeah. and the crappy, just coked out everything. Yeah. But I think that that bridge gap that you're talking about here, that's the, the electro funk. Yeah. And that was a big thing in the eighties. It sure was. Yeah. And the thing is, is like there's always been, you know, throughout every era, every decade, whatever. There's always somebody making something funky. Now, whether or not it gets into the mainstream or really gets on, on people's radar, that's a different question. But even now, as I do like research to find tunes from my show, um, which is Big Ben Soul Review on Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. Um, Check them out. <laughs> um, it's amazing how many like new, unheard of artists I'm, I'm digging up. It's, it's some really cool stuff out there. So it's, it gives me hope, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And, uh, you know, we're going to have a few different segments here, like we always do, of, of tunes. And um, just a preview, I, I picked mine uh, from a specific uh, newer label that's out there now that I think is doing some really cool stuff in, in, this, uh, in this arena. So when we get there, we can chat about it a bit. I don't know an awful lot, like I said, but uh, I know enough that these songs are all from the same label. Yeah, so uh, why don't we kick off with some old school and we'll take it from there. <laughs> Bounce, 
Holy shit, that's funky. Under the sun. Under the sun. Under the sun. That is Parliament with Mr. George Clinton. Fucking Bootsy, man. And Bootsy. Mm. Bootsy. Uh, before that was Crusaders, My Lady. And before that, to kick off the show was The Meters, Look a Pie Pie. So OG New Orleans funk. Yeah, they're like the godfathers, the fathers, the grandfathers of like New Orleans funk. Uh, and they, they, they totally kicked it off. And I think they kind of propelled this new wave to happen because if you talk to or if you read about, you know, what Galactic says their influences are and uh, Carl Denson and all those guys, they'll always mention Neville Brothers, the meter. Uh, yeah, the, the funky meters, right? Yeah. So, before we begin, let's tell you how you can partake. I think we already started. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Before we continue, <laughs> wise ass, you can call us at 617-829-9283. is WAVE. And if you want to text us, 617-764-9283. You can find us on Facebook, Wave Radio Boston Rocks. Uh, they are wrapping up their uh, March Madness, uh, and that's pretty cool. Uh, the best songs of f uh, four or five generations, and uh, is really coming down the wire. It's pretty cool, so check that out. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's where we are. That's where we are now, and uh, reach out, talk to us. We know... Every time I talk to my friends, they're like, oh, I listened to your show again. And, and Astro says the same thing. You guys, call in. Call in. Yeah, we've been going to shows for, for 30 years together. You can definitely talk about stuff. So, you know, call in. Yeah, you guys are never shy. <laughs> except Sunday nights, apparently. That's right. Yeah. So uh, one question I just asked Big Ben, and then I stopped, my, and then I stopped him from answering <laughs> because I wanted to get it on, on, on the air, is uh, tell us about the Crusaders. Who are they? Okay, so Crusaders uh, were a jazz funk group. They actually started way back in the 50s, but they kind of reached their uh, peak of popularity in the mid-70s, and we were just kind of talking about that, how like their mid-70s, that was kind of like their meatiest um, time, but... They um, all the all the guys in that band were extremely uh, talented guys, and they did a lot of session work too mm -hmm. for um, Motown. Like so, for example, um, the uh, the sax player for that group, Wilton Felder, he actually played bass on a lot of the early Jackson Five stuff. So when you really? hear those nice. Jackson Five records, you. You, it sounds almost like James Jamerson because it has that same kind of James Jamerson yeah. like flow to it, but it's actually Wilton Felder because he, he doubled on sax and bass. I had no idea. That's blowing my mind right now. Oh yeah, <laughs> he was he was a beast, man. And um, Joe Sample, the uh, the keyboard player for that group. Oh my god, like it's amazing that more people don't really talk about him because he was just such a phenomenon on on the keys and man. a great songwriter too yeah wrote a lot of great tunes with um what was the uh geez it's slipping my mind now the the um the lyricist he wrote a bunch of tunes with um uh is it jennings 
I got. I got to look it up. I'll look it up, and we'll get it on the next yeah, <laughs> on the okay. ne- on the next spot. But nice. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's the Crusader. So that was one of my favorite tunes from them um, called "My Lady." It was on the um, the Street Life album in '79, which that was probably their biggest hit. I would say out of uh, out of all their stuff. Nice, nice. Uh, do you want to talk about Parliament at all? Parliament. I'll talk about Parliament. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Parliament. <laughs> Make my funk the P funk. Um, yeah, well, we, we were just talking about the difference between Funkadelic and Parliament, right? Yeah. So they're both George Clinton's creations, right? But we were talking about off the air, like how Funkadelic was really more kind of a rock group. Like a, yeah, psych rock. Like, yeah, exactly. psychedelic rock. And that was kind of his foray. But Parliament, and some people probably noticed, they started off as the Parliaments, mm-hmm. which was kind of like a Motown style doo-wop group. Um, so yeah, like the, the 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 hits that they had in the seventies, such as Flashlight, that was more rooted in like the R and B sound that was popular at the time. But uh, Funkadelic was yeah, they were they he got a little out there with that one. Yeah. And a lot of the same players too, right? In both bands. Exactly the same play. It yeah. was basically the same group. It's he, just a difference the material yeah. that they were playing. And he found two different ways to market it on two different labels and yeah. It, that George Clinton, he was a clever guy. Big, very clever guy, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I went to, uh, I'm going to switch it and talk about the meters a little bit. So I went to um, New Orleans way back. It was probably in like the late, the late 90s. And uh, Trey had a show. Trey was playing like Trey, Anastasio, and Friends, right? And we didn't know who the Friends would be. It was just Trey and Friends. So, um, and it was a, it's a pretty cool show, and it was moving along, but it wasn't great, and I was kind of, you know, uh, should we leave? I mean, we're in New Orleans, we can go do all kinds of stuff. Dave Matthews comes out, and it starts getting better, right? But Sounds like it's getting worse. No, no, it was good. <laughs> it was good. And uh, then this guy comes out and starts playing, like, the bongos on stage. Zig? And he grabs a mic and he starts, and they break out into this funk song. He's playing the bongos and he starts singing. And we're like, who is that? Who is that? And then Trey's like, Art Neville, uh-huh. give him, you know, like, and the place just melted, oh right? God. It was unbelievable. And, and for the rest of the night, Art Neville was like, he was bouncing around playing different instruments. But he always had a mic and he was always like, doing backup or doing whatever. And he like, he stole the show. It was unbelievable that just one guy with Trey and Dave Matthews on stage, you know, and I, I don't know how many people, well, I guess if you're in New Orleans, there's probably a lot of people who know funk, but it was a younger crowd, and he totally stole the show. It was unbelievable. As well, he should. I mean, he's totally. a brother in New Orleans. Like, yes. if, mm-hmm. if you don't know who he is, it's kind of on you, not him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. So that was a, that, it turned out to be a great show after that, because they just, they, 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 Trey opened it with doing his guitar thing, and it just evolved into this New Orleans funk, jazz-like mountain jam. It was so cool. Nice. Yeah, I love the meters. Uh, the meters, actually, um, uh, Oh Darlin' is my wife and I and my uh, wedding song. Oh, their cover uh, of Oh Darlin'? What's that? Like, you mean, like, they do a cover of the Beatles' Oh Darlin', or it's a different Oh no, Darlin'? No, it's a different Oh Darlin'. <laughs> that shows you, I don't know so much about the Meters. Yeah. Nice. Um, so that was, that was our wedding song. So Meters are, like, a, a huge part of my life. Um, so do you, 
we talked about Parliament, Crusaders, the meters. Uh, next is uh, I'm going to play a great funk song uh, called um, Renegades of Funk by um, Rage Against the Machine. Oh. I'm just joking. So. Say, like, that's, a, that's definitely a cover <laughs> song, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Not. No, now we're going to get into, we're going to flip it. So we started off with like the godfathers of funk, right? The 70s. We're going to jump into the newer age uh, type of funk fusion that you hear. Also coming out of New Orleans. Uh, but this is the Great Boy All-Stars. That's what...
was Modesky, Martin, and Wood, Bubble House. Before that, we heard Carl Denson, Sunday School. And before that, Gray Boy All-Stars, Get a Job. Uh, Modesky, Martin, and Wood, man, they have come a long way. They started, um, it, well, I don't, they didn't start as John Schofield's band, but for John Schofield's album, A Go-Go, they were, they were the backup yeah, band. Yeah, it was a four-piece band, right? Yeah. And uh, I saw them at the Somerville Theater with Soul Live opening, and I, I went to see John Schofield. And I had I didn't know who Modesky Martin Wood was, and I sure as hell did not know who Soul Live was. You bet you did after that night. What's that? I bet you did after that night. I did. My life changed after that night. I was like, I gotta, I'm gonna find all the John Schofield I can because his band's awesome, and there was nothing to be found about Modesky Martin Wood at that time. But then. Um, Bubble House, I'm sorry, um, Shack Man, the album came out. Oh, oh yeah. Shack Man, I, I love that one. That. Yeah, that. that whole album straight through. So, and, and uh, I was just talking to Rich and Big Ben, um, sorry, Astro, uh, used to go to shows in Boston, and it would, it would be local shows like T.T. the Bears, uh, Middle T. East. T.T. the Bears, I haven't heard that yeah, in forever. Mm, yeah, <laughs> uh, Middle East, and... Um, before the bands would play, I would go obviously to see rock bands, but before the bands would play, the background ambiance music became funk, funky stuff like this, like instrumentals. And I would hear Modesky, Martin, and Wood albums played like in the late 90s, early 2000s in, in restaurants. And everybody's head would be moving back and forth. And Eating be, to the beat. Yeah, they'd be jamming. And I, and I was like, man, this, this, this instrumental stuff is like it's it's another level, and Modesky, Martin, Wood. That that's it. We just heard Bubble House, which is uh, one of the songs off Shockman. That is the album that put them. On. I, I love that song and the tempo change. Yes. throughout it, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of other songs on that that are like similar. And um, uh, Billy Martin, what an incredible drummer. Mm -hmm. Um, and Modesky, he'll he'll jump from guitar to organ to the Hammond and the B three, and whatever he's playing, he's he's got that funk man. He's a, what a great band. And if you go further into their career, um, you know, first they were Modesky, Martin, and Wood. Um, they went and played back up with John Schofield. Then they released albums as Modesky, Schofield, Martin, and Wood, mm -hmm. um, which is are pretty good. And then they, they released these albums called the Radiolarians. And um, so they decided to take a different um, approach on how they were going to record. So normally you go in, you have, you know, a, um, a, a skeleton of a song, right? Like kind of a blueprint of a song. You go in, you record it, and, um, you know, it evolves a little bit, but, you know, your songs come out and you're done. Mm -hmm. They put out, um, I think... I think three albums, maybe two, but more than one, um, called the Radiolarians. And they decided to go into the studio and jam, record the jams, and then just touch them up at the end. So they had no pre-recorded anything. They knew they could go into the, the studio, the three of them, and just rip the shit out of whatever they wanted, and it would be good enough. How long ago did they do that? 
That was in uh, the mid 2000s, I believe. I, oh, so me, they've had some. I mean, they've had mind meld going on for decades at this point. So yeah, that's not shocking that they can do that. It's still pretty impressive, though. Yeah. Well, you know, and we were talking when we were off air. We were talking a little bit about Miles Davis and his uh, fusion electric period, and that was basically Miles' approach to a lot of that stuff he was doing in the early 70s. Like mm-hmm. they didn't chart any of that stuff out. He just got some cool cats who he knew yeah. he liked the way they play, and just like just play, just play whatever. You know. <laughs> I mean, and and then afterwards, Teo Macero would produce it. He would chop it all up and make it into a package thing that they could market as an album. But yeah, it was just a jam. So that's the birth of Bitches Brew, then, pretty much, right? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Agarda, yeah. Bitches Brew. Uh, there's another one like that too, where it's like 45 minutes. Nefertiti, is that yes. like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Radio Larians one, two, and three came out 2008 and 2009. I'll have to check those out. Yeah, they're good, and they're different. They're not as uh, fine, finely tuned, produced, and, and crisp. They're jamming. I, I, uh, Chris Woods actually um, has distortion on on bass on a couple of his tunes, which is really cool. I, it's like I'm not afraid of rough jamming. That, that sounds <laughs> yeah. good to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Medeski Martin Wood has a whole catalog. They they must have 20 albums, um, and even their album Tonic. They go into um, acoustic, and they're playing oh. the acoustic piano, the stand-up bass, and and a very small drum set. Well, I mean, uh, was, is it Chris Wood? Is he the bass player? Yeah, yeah. He, he's. I mean, he's. Uh, he's got that group with his brother, right? The, the Wood Brothers. The Wood Brothers. Yeah. 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 So uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't heard much of their stuff, but I mean, I know they've been around for a while. They have. Yeah. They have. You know, keep releasing records. Yeah, and they keep opening for all kinds of great bands too. Like you, I, I see. The Woods Brothers opening for tons of bands. I saw them open for the Bacon Brothers once. (laughs) 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 Nice. All right. uh, So that's what this game, Martin Wood. Before that, we had, uh, we'll start with the Grey Boy All-Stars. Well, we're going to start with Carl Denson, right? Because he's really the connecting connecting tissue between all of those, both of these groups. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, Grey Boy All-Stars, and I'm not going to do it justice. I'm sure you guys can jump in here, but... Uh, DJ Grayboy in the 90s was a DJ who, if the legend is true, brought in uh, like Carl Denson and like, was Robert Walter to one of yes. the guys. Brought, brought, right. a, brought a few players to uh, to record some pieces, some jams. And then he basically, as a DJ, put them together and created this funky, you know, DJ music. Mm. And uh, the Grayboy All-Stars basically became a band after that. Um, where those guys all got together and said, well, we don't need a DJ. We can go do this on stage. And honestly, probably a lot better. Yeah. Certainly more organic sounding. Yeah, they started uh, touring with Lenny Kravitz uh, like in 93. Yeah, 93. Um, And that's kind of what helped get them onto the map, and then they just exploded after that. Yeah, they were great. I remember seeing them a a bunch in the 90s, uh, the college circuits. Just It was like it was nothing we never had never seen before. Like, you know, I was going to concerts since like you know ninety ninety one, but I wasn't seeing anything like that. I was seeing yeah. like you know the Allman Brothers or Rush or you yeah. know Aerosmith. It's completely different than yeah. this kind of music. Yeah, you know that that era though. You know when you look at Grey Boy, All Stars, and Medeski, Martin Wood, and those bands from the nineties. It's interesting because it's like they were in some ways they were kind of a throwback to the sort of funky hard bop sound that was coming out of like the Verve label in the 60s, mm-hmm. you know, some of that. But they, there was just a different kind of sensibility about it. It was something that was 
new and modern for that yeah. for that time for yeah. that you know '90s era. And um, I don't I, I don't know I, I don't know exactly what you would call it, but it's like it's definitely that kind of retro funk, but with a fresh take on it. Yeah, you yeah. know those guys really they put they put such a cool spin on it. Yeah, they, they didn't have the big bands either. I mean, Soul Live's a three piece. Badesky right. Martin would three piece. Uh, you know, Grey Boy had had more, obviously, but I mean, it wasn't these big parliament size with, you know, five horns, two drummers, two guitar yeah, players. People were responsible for their parts. You yeah, know? I mean, you, exactly. had to, you, ain't mess, you ain't mess it up when you only have a three piece. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we heard Carl Denson's Sunday School. Uh, I was telling these guys the last time I saw Carl Denson was at Tipitina's in New Orleans, and he came out at like, Two in the morning, and this this was like in the in the late nineties. So I didn't know what he looked like. So he just like hulked out at that point. He flexed his shirt, ripped completely off, and he did a sax solo. <laughs> he's he's the Hulk. He's huge. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, who is this dude? And then he and then I see he's holding the sax, and then the heaven lights shine on him, and and the and the show starts, and I'm like, oh my god, this guy is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the man. The D stands for Diesel, man. There's no joke. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. All right, let's jump into some more music. This is Jimmy Smith. Thank you. 
Welcome back. Wave Radio Boston is a harmonic headspace with our very special guests, Big Ben. Hey, hey. Uh, that was Wayne Shorter with Remote Control, uh, a little bit of 80s electro-funk jazz for you. I, I heard a lot of different saxophones coming out of that one saxophone. <laughs> uh, how much... How many choruses and effects were on that saxophone? Lots of overdubs. Yeah. Lots and lots of overdubs. You, you don't could, hear that much at all in saxophones. Not yet. I mean, you know, I, I think like it takes a real certain talent, you know, to be able to do that and do it well. I mean, I think there's some cats who are better at it than others. But Wayne definitely, man, he his sense of harmony is just, uh, you know, unparalleled by um, most musicians you know so you know compositionally like a tune like that you know think about whatever you want with the production obviously it sounds very dated it sounds very 1986 but harmonically i mean that still just blows anything out of the water coming out you know what i'm saying yeah he's harmonizing with himself that's right he's just writing the the parts do you have any do do you know who the bass player on that track was uh, offhand, I don't know because it sounded really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's serious. It's very yeah. It's really cool stuff. I mean, you know, good, great musicians on all of these. Yeah. You know, all these tracks. Great session cats. You know. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's one of those things that you know you're hearing a guy like uh, you know a guy like Wayne Shorter who's been playing for decades at this point, and you know, in '86. And you know his his sound's gone through a you know big transformation. I think we see that a lot, particularly with these older jazz players who, you know, came up through the '50s, '60s, and you know at, at some point have to continue changing with the times to stay relevant. And uh, you know I always sort of harken back to you know the, the how Bob Dylan was called a traitor and Judas and stuff when he went from uh, acoustic to bringing out some electric instruments, mm-hmm. like he was you know stabbing his fan base in the back. <laughs> And, you know, you wonder, like, is there a similar type of backlash that you saw from somebody like Miles Davis, like bringing in all the electric and, you know, losing his suit and, and wearing the, you know, the, the day glow color stuff and, you know, <laughs> hanging with Betty Davis and playing some crazy shit. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, so earlier I was talking about the fact that, you know, in at least in academic circles, you know, my, you know, years of, of studying jazz, like, 1970 when miles released uh bitches brew that was ostensibly the end of jazz like jazz just died the day that you know miles hooked up a wah-wah pedal to his trumpet everybody's yeah. just like nope we're done we're done with this this is yeah. over but i mean obviously it didn't die it just changed into a different form and so a lot of the stuff that we're hearing that we're listening today is uh uh the sort of the children and grandchildren of the stuff that you know Miles and company were doing you know during that era but yeah i think i think it very much is a uh an analogy to go between what Dylan did when he went electric and what Miles did when he went electric cuz yeah it just totally changed the face of everything and some people dug it and some people didn't mm-hmm. well and also what Miles did was even so much more revolutionary because he didn't just you know, add electrification to the instruments and wrote similar songs which Dylan i mean yeah Dylan he wrote more rock stuff than the folk, but it wasn't that huge of a difference in terms of song structure, instrumentation. You look at what Miles was doing, and he and, you know, he was going from you know a four or five piece, uh, you know, suit jazz band to a crazy collective with all sorts of different electric instrumentation. 
all sorts of you know younger cats like you were saying that were out there ready to start changing things in the jazz world and it wasn't featuring miles as much anymore i mean he would bring in guitar players and they would do these awesome guitar solos for a long time mm. and then miles would come back in whereas like one album before it was a miles davis song with his his horns featured and that was it and now he's this is the progression this is progressive right bringing in drum drummers who could do crazy solos and all this stuff it was just it was no longer focused on miles davis's instrument more yeah. more like his mind <laughs> yeah and i mean one of the things that you know miles was kind of like a like uh, almost like a, a king midas it's like everybody who he touched in his career became like a superstar right. like we were talking about john schofield earlier yeah. i mean sco's been around for a while but when he started working with Miles, that's what really put him on the map. And other people, too, like, uh, you know, McLaughlin before that. John um, McLaughlin, yeah. Kenny Garrett, saxophone player. Like, you know, all these cats that he kind of, you know, I mean, he had his moment when he was really shining and, you know, doing big stuff in the 50s and the 60s. But, like, after that, it's like, you know, he was more about being in a collective with other musicians and lifting up other musicians, too, giving their careers a boost. So... Um, yeah, definitely all kinds of all kinds of interesting things have their roots in what was happening in that early 70s period on of the, you know, the funk fusion movement. Yeah, because it seems like jazz. I mean, it's always been a lot of different branches, but it seems like right around that 1970s saw it start splitting into some of that more progressive fusion type stuff, bringing some rock into it. And also the, the whole funk side of things, I think, started to, you know, kick in a little more at that point and really, like you said, you know, peaked around the mid-70s right before it started to take that nasty turn to disco. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I'll, 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 I mean, full disclosure, man, I am a disco head. <laughs> I am a disco fiend. Nice. Anybody who listens to my show, Big Ben Soul Review, Wednesday nights at 10 p.m., knows that I love me some disco. But... It was a drastic change from what was happening just a few years earlier. I mean, Herbie Hancock going from releasing Headhunters with Chameleon to, you know, several years later doing You Better Bet Your Love on Feats Don't Fail Me Now. It's like night and day, night, yeah, totally right. night and day. And, yeah. you know, you can see, again, like same thing with, with Bitches Brew. Some people dug it and went along for the ride. Other people were like... No thanks, yeah. you know. Hey, well, look at look at what um, Herbie Hancock did in the '80s, releasing Rocket. Mm. Right. I mean, that was just, that was like techno almost, right? It was like electronic. Well, it was like, it was sampling. I mean, it really yeah. was sampling his own stuff. Yeah. You know, and it's it's that was my first exposure. I mean, what was was that '83, '84? I was like eight years old, and mm. I was all about MTV. And man, that video was yes. sick. Yeah. It was made yeah. for the MTV generation. Totally. Yeah. yeah. But it's so like when I think of him i don't when i think of herbie hancock that's the last thing i think of right but it was know? the first thing you ever knew exactly <laughs> you know yes totally <laughs> well that gets into what we were talking about too earlier off offline when we were talking about you know the difference between leaders and followers in these different you know and as musicians progress in their careers you know maybe they'll start off you know being really revolutionary but eventually they kind of lag behind and they start trying to catch up with trends and just kind of mm -hmm. follow but herbie was one of those guys like you know from his early days, you know, with Miles in the 60s on through the 80s and 90s, he was always at the forefront, and, you know, especially with that synthesizer stuff. He was at the forefront of all that technology. So he was leading through that, whereas some other cats, you know, 
they may be, well, Herbie's doing electronics, so I better do some electronic right, stuff right, too, right, you yeah. know? And it just, yeah, maybe not, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think one of the keys too for Herbie and a lot of these other players is it's not just being great players, it's being great songwriters. And that's the key. I mean, he wrote Cantaloupe Island in, in what, the early 60s? Yeah. That's a great song. Like, yeah. and uh, Watermelon Man was from back in, back in the day too, and like he revisited mm-hmm. those in later, you know, in the 70s and, you know, added a little electric funk to them and mm-hmm. sounded great. Yeah. Um, but it's all about being able to write the songs. I mean, you can, you can be a player, but you, I think you have the opportunity to be a leader for longer if you can bring your own material. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, there's a timelessness to some of those tunes too. It's like no matter what context you put them in, like Watermelon Man's always going to be a funky tune no right. matter what, right. you know, no matter who's doing it. Mm. But yeah, yeah, writing is writing is huge. Yeah. And another thing that I see that I hear you guys talking about n- knowing the bands is talking about how, you know, Schofield played with Miles and, and Rain Shorter played with this guy. And everyone's, they all have like, interplayed with each other on some level mm-hmm. and this this genre does that jazz i mean that's what jazz is right it's it's collaborating mm-hmm. and improvising right mm-hmm. this genre does that more than any other genre i've ever seen where this guy has played with that guy and this played you know what i mean mm-hmm. um this this uh next uh music block coming up is an, a great example of that so let's jump into some galactic
that was Garage Artois. Before that was Charlie Hunter and Lucy Woodward. And before that was Galactic. What was Robert Fripp doing at the end of that song right there? <laughs> that was not Robert Fripp. That was Charlie Hunter. Charlie Hunter is one of the best guitar players from our generation. And nobody knows it because he plays jazz. Charlie Hunter plays an eight-string guitar. He, he, that little solo you heard, he was playing with, I think he's got like 12 fingers <laughs> on his left hand and 15 on his right. He, he solos and he plays the bass with his thumbs at the same time. So he can, he can play the rhythm and the lead at the same time with his hands. And that's what he does. Is he too cheap to hire a bass player? He's too good to need one. <laughs> he's, he's, he's absolutely unbelievable. And he's got... Uh, he's got a lot of albums from the Charlie Hunter Trio, which he brings in different singers. Uh, and the, uh, so you heard Charlie Hunter and Lucy Woodward on, that's his latest singer. And she is amazing. She rips it. And I think Big Ben, uh, who, who did you say she was, she had oh, played with before? Man, it looks like everybody was like <laughs> Celine Dion, Snarky Puppy, uh, who was it? Oh, yeah, right. Rod Stewart, Barbara Streisand. Uh, she sang with Babs? <laughs> she did. Shaka Khan, Nika Costa. Yeah. 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 And now she's singing with uh, Charlie Hunter. So the, the, album they just put out is amazing and that song we just heard can't let go um, i played that but i'll tell you that there's a much better version of that song on youtube mm. where they do it slow um, he has a different um drummer than that's on the album and um they do it kind of slowly and if you can uh google charlie hunter and lucy woodward can't let go video or YouTube and just watch and put on the headphones. She blows doors. She's my favorite female singer of all time. After seeing that one video, I've never seen a woman with pipes like that sing. And she was half improvising. Like you can see her and Charlie looking at each other and laughing as, as they see someone try something new and pull it off. And like, is she even in one part? She's like, "Go, Charlie, go!" When he's doing his yeah, solo, I heard her say that, yeah. And and she does it live, and and he like, you can see him get her energy and just press on the pedal and go a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, seeing Charlie Hunter, who, if you don't know who he is, and you're a guitar fan and you you like guitar, you know, Google Charlie Hunter and check out his stuff because he's. He's not only one of the greatest jazz guitar players, but he plays in a different in a different universe than other people because he plays the bass and the and the lead and the rhythm all at the same time. So that's Charlie Hunter and Lucy Woodward. Move forward, we heard Garage à Trois. Garage à Trois is Charlie Hunter and Stanton Moore, who is the drummer for Galactic, who was the first band we heard in that block. Uh, Stanton Moore is known as one of the jazz community's best drummers right now, and he has been for the past 20 years. If you go see Galactic, uh, Stanton Moore is in the middle of the stage, and everybody forms around him, and he's the band leader. Mm -hmm. So he's like almost with his sticks, right? You can't tell he's hitting the drums because it's almost like he's the composer, and everybody's watching what he's doing. Mm -hmm. 
So when you see Galactic, he's the band leader, and he's he's unbelievable. It's like a modern day Art Blakey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, yeah. So Galactic is uh, is great too. Uh, the other people in Garage A Trois are Mike Dillon, who was the xylophone guy, and he's in the band Critters Buggin'. And he, what else was he in? He was in the Frog Brigade, Les yes. Claypool's Frog Brigade, right? Right. Uh, and the last person in Garage Atois is Skerrick. Also, Frog Brigade material. Correct. And he, uh, he I, I think he's one of the best saxophone players alive today, possibly one of the best in the jazz community in the past probably three or four decades. Um, and he's, he's getting on the older side, but Skerrick, Scary Eric, um, we saw him at the Snowcore Ball with the uh, Frog Brigade, and he did a, a solo, a, a dual solo, Skerrick against Les Claypool. It was during, uh, they were covering Shine On You Crazy Diamond, I think. It was during that song that they were going back and forth. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I could be misremembering, but I do remember his solo, and I do remember they covered that. Yeah. So I was reading up on Skerrick, and um, so apparently the the jazz community uh, looks at how Skerrick plays and how there's a few other uh, saxophonists in the community, and it's and it's a new way to play. It's called um, saxophonics, hmm. and it's a melodic twist on. Um, on historical saxophone playing, and supposedly it's catching on, and it, it has its own name. So right? is it like multiple notes at a time or something? I don't, I don't think so. Uh, uh, let me, let me uh, read into it. Let, uh, I'll bring it up, but uh, and I'll read it. But uh, yeah, he is taking saxophone playing into kind of a, its own new approach, which is pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, so those those three bands, I've I've seen Galactic, you know, so many times. I saw them at Tipitina's too. Um, that was quite an incestuous set. There was a lot of crossover there. Exactly. In, in yeah. true jazz fashion, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Passing it around. Exactly what you're talking about. Uh, do you guys want to talk about those, them, and at all? I I can't really add much to what you just had there. Same. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into some really new stuff. Some really new stuff. Let's do it. Sorry, 
With the guilt that I can't stand Upon your chest, your arms are folded With the bottle in your hand
All right, that was a three-peat, a three-peat, a, th- a block of three songs from uh, Coal Mine Records, which is a uh, an independent label uh, based in Ohio. They've been around, I think, since 2007, maybe even later, and uh, they're putting out some great, great uh, funk, soul, uh, jazzy type stuff. Uh, they have a, a growing label, um, and you know, all the artists that I've heard are amazing. And uh, the three we just heard, there was Monophonics. Uh, we just heard uh, a California psychedelic soul band. Uh, what, a, what an awesome genre that is. Right, that, that's fantastic. Um, their lead singer, Kelly Finnegan, actually has released some solo stuff as well. That's, that's supposedly really good. I haven't heard any of it. Um, prior to that, we heard uh, my personal favorite from this uh, from this uh, label, um, the Delvin Lamar tr- organ trio. That was awesome. Uh, I, I knew that you would like that. Absolutely awesome. I knew you like that one. That. And yeah, so, go see them. Yeah, so that's those guys are awesome. Um, we just said that like three times. They <laughs> are though. Um, and then before that, we let off with Duran Jones and the Indicators, uh, another band from Coal Mine, probably one of their flagship bands. Uh, again, like. You know, all all the folks in these bands are you know if they have the chops, they're getting opportunity. Like I said, Kelly Finnegan's recording some solo stuff from Monophonics. Uh, Aaron Fraser, who is the drummer actually for Duran Jones's band, uh, just released a solo album last year that's gotten rave reviews uh, from the scene as well. So, uh, Coal Mine Records, check them out. Uh, you know, anything that you get from them is going to be great. Uh, they actually have a couple uh, releases that came out the past few years. They're called Soul Slabs. So it's basically the twelve, you know, the forty-fives, the singles that all of these artists on the Coal Mine label uh, re- released throughout the year that aren't on their albums, yeah. um, or maybe they are. They, whatever the forty-five, so they're singles, and it's basically like they're put them together. I think they had Soul Slabs Volume One from twenty eighteen, which was two LP set, and then Volume Two was from twenty nineteen, and there's a three LP set. So uh, yeah, I can't I can't sing the praise of Coal Mine enough. It's really great stuff. That's what I got to get my hand on one of them soul slabs. That's what I need yeah. for that for, them, for my show. Yeah, it's a perfect name for your show. Yeah, the soul, soul slab. slab. You know, it's all that stuff is so funky. But you know, and, and those are the kind of records that people hear that and like you were saying, man, it's like. Wait, is this new? This just come exactly out? Exactly yeah. right. And it's not just the style that they're doing, but it's also the production, the way that they're yes, recording, exactly. the mics that they use, the analog tape. Right. It mm-hmm. really sounds very authentic. Yeah, to that, that first one style. especially. Yeah. I, and I, that's what I said. As soon as it came on, like 15 seconds ago, I was like, this is new? Exactly right. I said the same thing when I first yeah. started hearing these different artists. Yeah. You know and who was right. like that too back in the day was uh, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Yeah. They definitely had that authentic. I don't know what it was. They used that same microphone that James it's, Brown it's, had it's or something. It's the microphone, it's the analog recording, it's 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 the natural mm-hmm. you can tell, like you can almost feel it yes. coming through, especially you know, I hadn't listened to these songs with headphones on before, man that was a trip. Mm. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah, so that's funny that you, you just brought up James, James Brown and Big Ben, I know you listen to our show every week, so <laughs> I, I know you know that we have we have um, themes every okay. week. Every week we come in, we're like, we're going to talk about this particular theme, and we and and that's all we do, right? Mm-hmm. And every week there are songs that we can't play for a hundred different reasons. Reason number one we can't play them is because we just didn't have enough time, right? Yeah, we're trying but, to get better. Yeah, but. but reason like two through ninety nine are a, a million other reasons. So so tonight the biggest main other reason we didn't get to play songs is because the song was too long. <laughs> right? We wanted to play Miles Davis tonight, but we couldn't find a real good funk 
Miles Davis song that was under <laughs> 20 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> we were like Agata Neferardi or whatever. Nefertiti. Nefertiti yeah. and uh, Bitches Brew. Bitches like, Brew, right? Yeah. Those are the three, the three albums that I think of when I think of funky prog. Miles Davis, but we couldn't we couldn't find any songs mm. that would actually fit. Yeah. So tonight, that's like shout out to Miles Davis. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we certainly talked about him plenty. Yeah, yeah. I mean his influence is certainly felt in all of this, right. without mm-hmm. a doubt. Mm-hmm. Shout out to James Brown. Oh my God! And his songs aren't too long, and I, I'm disappointed that we're not playing a James Brown song tonight. Yeah, I re- yeah we could have we we could have fit one in, but like, you know what? Get on the good foot. Come on, Prosty. Everybody knows James Brown. You know, like, and, and another thing that we do, Astro, is we try to, we walk above the line, right? We walk, we, sometimes you know, we dip below the line. Yeah, <laughs> we, we try not to play stuff that everybody knows, and we try to... Yeah, we're not uh, playing Stairway to Heaven. We may play, like, The Crunch, if, yeah, if we're exactly. going down the yeah. path. So everybody knows, you know, James Brown, everybody knows he's, he's a funky guy, right? But I'm glad we heard Duran Jones instead, because hopefully all of our 10,000 listeners tonight will have learned uh, i think it's 20 to 25 tonight because we do have a very special guest in studio that's right <laughs> right Twenty-five thousand, right well yeah well, of course yeah what was the other label that you were talking about stones throw stones throw yeah yeah how are they different are they- well the stones throw label these days they they are focused on a lot of like the kind of electro funk sound like the, the industry jargon that they're giving it now is uh, modern boogie. So a lot of the artists that I've been playing on my show, Big Ben Soul Review, Wednesday night at 10 o'clock. 10 to midnight. It, yeah, 10 to midnight, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know, I do it a lot of the modern boogie stuff. So t- I was talking about Tuxedo. Tuxedo is one of the bands that I play a lot. It's um, Meyer Hawthorne's, like, funk side project. Um, so yeah, it's it's not not quite as earthy as the coal mine sound. It's it's mm-hmm. a little more little more electro sounding. Nice. So I'm I'm really interested in this, and I, I need to listen to your show, the Soul Review, from ten to midnight on Wednesdays to hear more about it. But I, I honestly like when I hear electro funk, I, I you know I, I people who listen to the show know that I have a hang up with eighties production. Mm-hmm. I just I can't get over it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're saying that this is modern music, that's sort of in that style. Do you still have like that super processed drum, or is the the drum a little more authentic, and you just have that really funky processed bass? It's authentic to the processed. Okay, sound. so so, so it legit so, sounds like it's from '84. Legit, yeah, that's, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. It's like you know, if you're into like analog synths and and TR808 drum machines, like yeah, you'll love this. So thing. I have to ask you one thing. Um, have you ever heard uh, Mr. T's Commandments? <laughs> is that the rap record? Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> what? Yeah, so, yeah, I actually, I found this. I went to an FYE shit. It was probably last year in, in New Hampshire, and it was uh, it was used for four bucks, and it was in mincy, <laughs> mint condition, Ooh. and I played it as a joke. I bought it as a joke, and uh, I played it, and I couldn't believe how as good? a joke to yourself? Yeah. Well, I was. I, 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 I'm in a few vinyl groups on Facebook, and it's, you know, people like love that shit, and they mm. did. But uh, I was looking at, I was listening to it, and like it was actually pretty good. Now, and the themes are all like you know, don't do drugs, yeah. you know, shit like that. So I mean, it was really great. But I was, I was surprised, and I thought when you started talking about it, I'm like, you're the guy to ask if you ever heard of Mr. T's Commandments. Are there good musicians on there? I'm sure. I mean, there's nobody of 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 note that I noticed, but. It was certainly right in the heart of electro funk. There's some like novelty records like that. You just 
you just got to appreciate them for what they are. I, so I'm on a, on, a, on a disco group on Facebook. Nice. And uh, so somebody was on there talking about Rick D's. You remember Rick D's? Oh, yes. I remember Rick D's. Yeah. Right? And they were just dogging on him. I was like, listen, listen to these tracks. Like whoever the cats were, who were the session cats on these tracks are dope. These are dope tracks. Never mind the goofy duck voice vocals or whatever, but like these are great beats, man. And they could have put like Tavares or somebody on there and made it like a dope disco record. Yeah. But, you know, whatever this, you know, he was a popular disc jockey back then and you want to make a goofy record and he sold a <laughs> bunch and whatever. But no, it's like sometimes those those weird novelty records you find from the 70s, 80s are actually like really good. <laughs> Dude, you got to do a disco night. Uh, yeah, <laughs> every night is disco night where I'm from. <laughs> Doesn't need, need to be Wednesday. You got a disco ball in your kitchen, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> you're close, you're close. <laughs> nice. All right, you guys want to jump into some soul lives? Let's hear oh, some soul yeah. live. Thank you. 
go that was prince dmsr dance music sex romance that was for my wife she requested it she is the prince expert she's going to come in for a print show right she's coming in for a print show she's been talking to astro behind my back about uh doing a print show i guess yeah we're doing it nice that's cool uh before that we heard 
William Onyabior. William Onyabar. Onyabar. Nigerian funk master. That was pretty cool. That was not bad. Um, so this guy, interesting story. There's there's all sorts of weird rumors around whether he actually ever existed or not. Really? Uh, there's. I think there was a documentary that came out maybe a year or two on him. And uh, a, 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 a compilation album called Who, Who is William Onyabar? And he was a, a Nigerian uh, musician, um, producer, really. And he was around from like 77 to like 85, I think, were the years he was making music. And I, I think he was involved with nefarious activities in Nigeria, kind of, you know, kingpinning type shit. And uh, he built his own recording studio, built his own pressing plant, and basically a- made a bunch Allegedly. Of- uh, yeah, yeah, allegedly, and made a bunch of albums between '77 and '85, all like electro funk. Um, and I don't believe he actually used any actual musicians. Like all, like all the drums were programmed, sequenced. Um, all of it was all on synths. That was very soulful. Very soulful for being completely electronic. For completely electronic, and uh, he's got some awesome shit. It's so fun. That was very cool. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that we got some of that. I know my wife wants. She specifically asked, "Like, you're going to play some William Only Bar tonight, right?" And I'm like, "Of course I am." Yeah. We have to thank the women who correct our stupid shit. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's uh, you know, I, I, yeah, that's about all I'm going to say about William Only Bar. Whether or not he actually existed is another story, but the music does. Nice. And then we heard uh, Soul Live before that. Soul Live, the first time I saw Soul Live, I was going to see John Schofield because I, just as a guitarist, you know, you, you got to see him when he comes to the Somerville Theater, right? This was 1994-ish. So we go to see John Schofield, and um, we didn't know that Modesky Martin and Wood was his backup band. So when we saw John Schofield, we were like, oh, my God. The rest of the band is jamming, like, and they're stealing the show, right? But even before John Schofield and Modesky Martin and Wood came on, this other band called Soul Live comes on. These dudes in suits, man. Just come on out. Yeah, and it's a three-piece, and wow, they ripped. Eric Krasno, wow. He, I mean, and he, and he came out with a microphone. that They don't sing. But he, he would duel the microphone mimicking the guitar solo at the same time, just like George Benson does, right? George Benson is kind of known to do... Right. And, and, and Eric Krasno was doing that. I'm like, oh, my God, these guys are like seasoned musicians. They're obviously really young. And they stole the show from not only John Schofield, who I really wanted to see, but the second best band there, the second best thing there was Modesky Martin and Wood, who, you know, like, little did I know, John Schofield was, like, the worst thing that I saw before <laughs> I went to see that night at the Somerville Theater, and my life changed that night. I, I learned about Modesky Martin and Wood. I learned about uh, Soul Live. That was uh, Uncle Junior off of their first album, and uh, we were talking about this earlier, how now Soul Live is, um, they're also evolving and, and using different, uh, now they have singers, they're getting more into hip-hop, which is cool, I don't like it as much as, you know, the three-piece jazz band. Well, I mean, you're also getting that that situation where, you know, the best material that artists usually write are are sort of their first few things. Mm -hmm. And then they start, you know, I don't say they're running out of stamina or running out of material, but, you know, usually you, you shoot out of a cannon when you're an artist. And it's, you know, coming up with stuff later in your career 
generally seems to be a little more challenging. And yeah. you have to switch things up and you know try some different things. And I think that's what they were doing. Absolutely. Uh, who else do we not play tonight? Who else do we not play? Oh, we didn't play Booker T and the MGs. What the right. fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That right? would have been cool to get some Booker T. And I tried to. I didn't. I have it all on vinyl. I don't have it digitized. That's the uh, problem. Yeah. Well, it's nine twenty, uh, and and you know we barely got through our. That's stuff. true. That's you know, true. A, you know, mm. uh, we didn't play James Brown. We didn't play Miles. Um, well, we'll have to do it again. That's all. We'll, we'll have to do it, it again. Exactly. Yeah, so I think like so. It, as long as you can make it, we'll, we're going to be here. We'll, Absolutely. Yeah. We'll find yeah. a time to make this happen again. This is cool. This is a good hang. Yeah. yeah thanks for coming out. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you brought a lot of energy, man. This oh. is great. A lot of knowledge. Hey, listen. Before we get any further, I have to give a shout out, okay? Because listen, my mom tuned into the show. Nice. She was listening, so I got to give a shout out to my mom, and she even helped me out because I was trying to remember a name earlier in the show yep. of the collaborator with Joe Sample, the songwriter. It's Will Jennings. That's his name. Will. Jennings. Uh, you were close. You, I thought you said something I, Jennings I related, was, right? Yeah, I had the last name. I couldn't think of the first name, but yeah. Anyway, thanks for that, mom. I thanks, Ben's mom. Yeah, appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> There's a woman behind the man, you know. Right? Always. Nice. No doubt. Uh, all right. So uh, you can see Big Ben Soul Review every Wednesday night, 10 to midnight. You can hear Harmonic Headspace every Sunday night, 7 to sometime. Whenever. Usually 9, but we have the extra expanded show. You warned me, too. You're like, we're, we're going to need two and a half to three hours here. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't play the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Hollywood, which is something I really wanted to play. This is the second or third time that song has been bumped. I, I had it lined up for it, the cover show, too, and it yeah. didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, every week we're going to come here with a theme, something to talk about. Next week we got Rush. A Rush show, special in-studio guest. Yes. Keith from Linfield. Keith from Linfield. Uh, we hope that he's actually a real person. Uh, you know, <laughs> he, he sounded real on the phone. Sound like a real pain in the ass. Yes. <laughs> so hopefully he knows, he knows something about Rush. Um, but thank you all for joining. Great show. Uh, great to hear uh, Big Ben in action. Uh, like I said, you can hear him uh, Wednesday nights, 10 to midnight. You can hear us next week at 7 o'clock. Like, uh, yeah, good night. Good night, folks. Thank you for tuning in.
Yes. 